Hello and welcome to the Astrology and Stuff podcast, where we try to talk about serious subjects without taking ourselves too seriously. I'm your host and sacred clown, Sampriti. Thank you for being here. Ah, thank you, thank you, friends, for your patience. Uh, not only for the delay in getting this episode out, but also thank you for your upcoming patience over the next hour, where you have to listen to my Miley Cyrus of a chainsaw voice and probably listen to me regularly clear my throat. <laughs> um, if you didn't see my social or if you, lis- you are listening to this uh, at a later time, I am actively uh, dancing with COVID and uh, between the physical weakness and the mental stupidity and the uh, pain in my throat, um, it's really been quite a challenge to study for, get my notes together and record this. But it's been even more so a drive to, um, to actually get this out. I need to get this out of my body, this meaning this information, not necessarily COVID. COVID, she'll take her time. (laughs) I've danced with her before. (laughs) Um, But this information, I and by this information, I'm talking about retrogrades. I'm so excited to be opening this subject um, in this fantastic baby of a podcast, astrology and stuff. But before we get too deep into the subject, I wanted to thank all Patreon members for showing up every month and supporting the podcast. I would also like to thank, if you're a Patreon member or not, and you have left a review or you have um, you know, done the whole five-star thing, thank you so much. If you have not left a review, but you love this podcast, please think about leaving a review. And because what that does apparently is it helps this podcast get in front of people who are actually looking for it, but don't know that it's here yet. So you are being an active member of the community uh, by just kind of talking about it. And if you share it on your socials, thank you, thank you. Um, my number one goal is to just talk to and connect with as many people as possible about shit that turns us on like this, right? (laughs) So what else is there? Um, So thank you, thank you, thank you for supporting the show in all the ways. Um, So if you don't know anything about my Patreon, you can head on over to www.patreon.com forward slash astrology underscore and uh, underscore stuff underscore pod. Okay, so astrology and stuff pod, but every word of that is separated by an underscore. Um, or just go to Patreon and look up astrology and stuff under the search bar. And you will see that for the tiny, tiny amount of $5 a month, um, you can not only support the show, but get weekly transit talk updates. Um, and that's when every Monday, try to do every Monday. Uh, but yes, every, nearly every Monday, I talk about the upcoming astrology of the week and how it might be affecting you in your neck of the woods. Um, and this is just a great way to, again, we talk about embodied astrology here a lot and 
all that is is just a really fancy boho term for um, living uh, living information, like like taking the information, yes, but applying it. Uh, how do we apply it in our daily lives? How do how does it make us feel? What's the what are the results of this? This is an experiment. Remember, so these weekly transit talks can really help bring <clears throat> excuse me bring that information and that wisdom down from the ethers into that day to day three D life. And that's where we're really fed from it. And that's where we we see, as they say, where the true magic happens. Um, and if you don't want those uh, episodes, uh, those weekly episodes, and you want to pay $2 a month less to support the show, uh, I've got another tier. It's $3 a month. And um, you can simply just help support the show and help support um, an empowering version of astrology. All right. Let's get into retrogrades. Why, Simpriti? Why retrogrades now? Well, sweetie... Well, chickens, that is because <clears throat> we are entering, or we are inside of, but continuing to enter an increasingly retrograde uh, energy. Um, I'm going to list down um, all of the planets and one dwarf planet that are going to be retrograde, that either are retrograde or are going to be retrograde soon. Okay. So Pluto is already retrograde. And will be so until October 10th. Pluto is retrograde in right now in Capricorn and will be until October 10th when it moves direct, remaining for a couple of months in Capricorn until actually, I think, the very first day of Aquarius season. And so I think the sun moves into Aquarius a couple of hours before Pluto moves back into Aquarius. It's really, really cool. Um, and then the second planet is Saturn. Saturn's been retrograde for a few months in Pisces and will be so until November 3rd. And then we have Neptune also in Pisces retrograde until 1st of December, excuse me, um, until December 5th. I can't read my writing. I apologize. Uh, and then Chiron uh, Chiron just went retrograde a couple of weeks ago as I, as I recorded this. Um, and Chiron is still in Aries. God damn it. Right. Um, Chiron is still in Aries and will be retrograde in Aries until December 26th. <clears throat> uh, Jupiter's in Taurus. Jupiter's not retrograde yet. As I record this on August, I, August 4th of 2023. Um, but in a couple, actually in a month, exactly a month, September 4th through December 30th, Jupiter will be retrograde in Taurus. <clears throat> and then starting August 28th, Uranus in Taurus will go retrograde until January 27th, 2024. And then, of course, we are already in the midst of the Venus retrograde in Leo. And isn't she showing out a bit. All of these celebrities, um, now super transparent, a lot of these celebrities who are breaking up with the exception of Sofia Vergara and Joe Manganiello and then Avril Lavigne and whoever her guy was. 
I don't really care about everybody else, but there are a lot of couples who are saying goodbye in various, uh, with various levels of grace. (laughs) So Venus is going to be retrograde in Leo until September 3rd. And if you want to know more specifically about the Venus retrograde, um, I devoted a lot of time on the Patreon uh, in past some past episodes about Venus retrograde uh, in Leo. So go check those out. Um, and then last but certainly not least, um, this Mercury retrograde in Virgo is coming up October, excuse me, August 23rd. August 23rd and lasts until September 15th. Let me take a tea break. So heads up, guys, this COVID brain, I might, I'm going to be kind of making verbal mistakes and then going back and immediately correcting those probably. But if I don't catch the mistake, please just, and it, and it really, really bugs you or if you feel that it is important to the, um, to other listeners out there um, that it might confuse them, please DM me on Instagram at Saint Preeti Life uh, and hit me up and let me know how I can what what I got wrong so I can correct it uh, in edits down the line. So that is Pluto, Saturn, Neptune, Chiron, Jupiter, Uranus, Venus, Mercury. Eight eight planets in retrograde. And this isn't, we have swaths of years that, that this kind of funk, you know, all, a lot of planetary bodies going into retrograde happening at one time. Um, we had, we had a similar season last year and, um, and also the year before, but this isn't an every year kind of thing. Um, as far as some, some mini facts about retrograde, um, the planet that goes into retrograde the most is Pluto. Pluto is retrograde a solid 50% of the time. And that's not just due to its, you know, how far away it is. It's also due to the shape of its orbit. It's actually more due to the shape of its orbit than it is um, its distance from us and the sun. Um, and then the planet that is least in, in retrograde least is Venus. Venus only goes, I think it's 542 days. Um, I think that's the number. Venus only goes retrograde every 542 days. Um, Pluto is like every six months is like, okay, let's, let's get back in the cave. Let's get back into the cave. (laughs) It's winter again, homies. (laughs) Um, so retrogrades, I'm going to be speaking from the interpretation and from my own my own interpretation and my own intuitive interpretation, but largely from like the scholarly uh, interpretation of evolutionary astrology. Again, if you're new to the podcast, I would strongly advise you listen to like the first two uh, episodes, like the introductory episodes where I'm able to kind of deliver a foundation of like, here's how I interpret things. Here's kind of my background. And here's also kind of why I interpret things in the way that I do. Okay. As far as like what gets a lot of, what holds a lot of weight and what kind of doesn't, I don't really worry about. Um, So evolutionary astrology is going to be the framework that I'm actually gonna, I'm going to talk, I'm going to utilize it a lot 
today or in this series, because I already know this is going to be more than one episode. Um, this first episode is the whys and wherefores and the mechanisms of retrogrades. And <clears throat> subsequent episodes are going to be about individual planets and how they express within their retrograde cycles. Okay. So that's going to, and Lord knows my voice isn't going to um, be able to do all of that at once. <laughs> so um, retrogrades as defined by uh, pretty much any differing um, or individual voice of astrology, they're going to be retro, the, the interpretation of the retrogrades are going to be different too, i.e., um, you know, modern astrology is going to interpret retrogrades differently from ancient astrology or traditional astrology. Um, I know EA or evolutionary astrology, um, it, it's kind of in the middle. There's, I, I am exposed to some astrologers who are like, gosh, this, one of my favorite books that I have, it's called Parker's Astrology. And it's by... Um, Julia and Derek Parker, and they literally, they literally say they have one paragraph devoted to the mechanism and the explanation of retrogrades in this like 600 page, uh, 500 page book, like literally a 500 page book. And there's one paragraph devoted to retrogrades and they describe the mechanism of, of like what really astronomically is going on during a retrograde. Uh, and then they just have this one sentence of like, many astrologers greatly overestimate the power and the um, basically like how powerful or how uh, influential retrogrades, season planets and retrograde are. And that's it. And that's all. And that's why like, they're like, yeah, people blow that shit up. Um, it's really not a big deal. Let's move on to the next thing. <laughs> All the way to, um, you know, one of my teachers, uh, Jeffrey Wolf Green, he brought, he helped bring um, through his own t channeling, his own teachers, uh, Sri Yuktetswar, et cetera. Um, like retrogrades are f almost fucking everything. Like this is how much they matter and this is how much they have to teach us. And this is really what's going, this is like the fertile field uh, of retrogrades of everything that is going on here. Um, and this, this second, um, this second interpretation actually has always spoken to me and, Really, I think because, you know, Venus is in retrograde right now, Saturn, Pluto, Neptune, they're all in retrograde right now. I'm really feeling that. I'm feeling like how fertile this time is. Of course, of course it matters. And if that doesn't vibe with you, then don't worry about it. We're all here to have our own individual interpretation and experience of everything in general, but if you're here, here of astrology in particular. So as with everything else, take what feels good, leave the rest. Okay. So retrogrades, <laughs> according to evolutionary astrology, uh, the retrograde planet accelerates the evolutionary momentum of the soul. 
This is the first point that I want to make. And if you are making notes, if you're taking notes, um, which I've never made, I don't think I've ever made as many notes um, for an episode as I have with this. And that's a very retrograde thing, isn't it? And God, Mercury is not even retrograde yet. But this is point number one. Um, According to you know, evolutionary astrology, and then a lot of astrologers who don't necessarily vibe with with the rest of the archetypes and tenets of EA or the vocabulary and the way that EA expresses uh, the natural law of astrology, um, the retrograde planet accelerates the evolutionary momentum of the soul. I'm going to read you a, a bit of a paragraph here. So, This is the mechanism for individuation. Individuation meaning coming into yourself, the act of becoming awake, of awakening to your own experience as an individual, uh, we could say dramatically liberated from consensus thought. Um, And we can say less dramatically, uh, uh, no, actually more dramatically, like you're Neo waking up in the matrix. <laughs> you take the pill, you take the damn pill. I can never remember which color is which, but I think these days, um, I think it's better that way, but you take the damn pill and suddenly you are aware of your feelings. And then eventually you're aware of, you're able to like witness your experience instead of being like mired in it. And it's just this whole process. Individuation is this whole process of us coming home to ourselves. And the retrograde movement of the planets is meant to retreat, reject, or rebel against status quo expectations of how that planet and its archetypal behavior is expected to manifest. Thus, it accelerates the process of individu- of individuation, okay? So not only is, because up until this point, I've described retrograde planets with like three keywords of, you know, if the, the direct or the forward moving planet, quote unquote forward moving planet, is the energy is moving upward, outward, and forward, then the retrograde planet, the energy moving, the energy is moving inward, downward, and backward. And, excuse me, and this is, that's, that's a great kind of like tagline for it. But the deeper teaching in there is this very intentional, that all of that movement, that inward, downward, and backward movement could be we could call it rebellious. It's a rebellious movement. Like in, uh, it's rejecting, the retrograde planet is rejecting the idea that in order to evolve, that I must be in constant forward motion. The retrograde planet and the retrograde movement is meant to imbue within us this this element of natural law that includes retreat, 
that includes rejection of the status quo expectations and that rebels against status quo expectations. Um, this is so, this is so, retrogrades are necessary, we could say. Ret- uh, retrogrades are necessary to prevent stagnation. Retrogrades are necessary in order to prevent boredom, in order to prevent things sticking around for longer than they need to be. It's as if, think of the seasons of the year, okay? The seasons of the the cycle of seasons. What if things were just summer the whole time and fruit kept popping up, um, things kept being, you know, fruit kept being uh, born out of Again, the words, guys, sorry about that. Trees kept bearing fruit. Bushes kept bearing fruit. The, the crops kept coming. There's not enough of us to, there's not, and by us, I mean humans, animals, insects. There's not enough of us to take care of all that. And very soon, piles of rotting fruit and vegetables and um, animals just piles and piles and piles, they would, they would start dying and rotting and with nobody to consume them and nobody to kind of check that balance. And if fall never came, that would just keep happening and we would be suffocated, right? So the same can be said for this direct motion, like we keep taking in, taking in and moving forward and moving forward and moving forward and exerting and exerting and exerting. And there's no autumn. There's no die off. There's no, we can call it a change in direction. There's no completing the cycle because all eternal summer is, is an uncompleted cycle. And retrogrades teach us that the cycles matter the most. Okay. Um, the moon also teaches us that too. And cancer also teaches us that too. And the fourth house teaches us that too. But, but here in retrograde land, the most important thing is the evolution. And so therefore we can say that the most important mechanisms are within this function are those that promote that cycle, that, that evolution. And if that evolution is dependent upon cycles of energy, of in-breath and out-breath, of wakefulness, of sleep, of birth and death, then that is the most important thing. Not getting the shit done. Not even the, the, um, not even the end result of the evolution but just the movement of evolution because energy is in a constant state of movement. Energy does not care what you end up as at the, because there is no end to the, to the soul's evolution. Um, okay. I'm lost in the sauce here. Okay. So thus this Retrograde movement accelerates the process of of individuation by just automatically inlaying this very um, often and regular period of natural rebellion, 
natural rejection of the status quo and natural retreat. We have to retreat in order to come to a place of of honesty within ourselves that we are consciously or unconsciously kind of ready to reject this, this whole thing that is in front of us or rebel against this whole thing that's in front of us. And we can get, I'm just going to say one little thing about this. We can get very, very lost in the sauce with the theme of uh, self-sabotage. And I reject that. (laughs) And I rebel against here in this Venus, uh, Leo Venus retrograde and Saturn in Pisces retrograde and Pluto in Capricorn retrograde and Chiron and Aries retrograde and Neptune and Pisces retrograde right now, I reject that there is such a thing as self-sabotage in the way that it's being brought to us. Um, in that if you, oh, if you sister, girl boss, if you haven't done the thing yet, you must be self-sabotaging yourself. And that kind of vibe, number one, I've talked about capacity before. I think I talked about it on, um, on the Patreon and not on this platform. Um, but how about well, like, what if there was no such thing as self-sabotage? There was just such a thing as limited capacity. You know, the mind has an idea that you can do, you know, all things and uh, including this one really big goal and that that's possible. Yes, your mind doesn't have the limitations that your 3D fucking body has. And your nervous system has. So the mind can be like, this is my goal. This is my vision board. And the body's like, I, girl, there's not gas in the tank for that. I don't know if you don't, you must not know this mind. You must just be attaching to um, a particular expression that you think would get you somewhere instead of like being here with the body with X amount of gas in the tank, i.e. X amount of capacity and what do you think is going to happen when you like charge forward? I'm going to just say I speak from I. When I charge forward with plans and goals and intentions and I, you know, vision boarding and all that manifestation stuff. Um, and I, and, and like there's not, there's not the capacity. Um, am I going to get lost and like, oh man, I must be self-sabotaging myself. I'm, I should probably dig for that trauma that is that shadow self that's telling me that I can't do that, that I'm unconscious of. No, uh, it's not that complicated. It really, nine times out of 10, it's not that complicated. It's simply the nervous system isn't, the, i.e. the aura isn't yet big enough to hold the thing, the amount of energy. It's math. It's just math. It's nothing that you're doing wrong. It's nothing that I'm doing wrong. It's not that we're not listening enough to enough podcasts. It's not that we're not enrolled in enough workshops. It's not that we're doing the wrong thing. It's simply that our experience, i.e. time, has not brought us to the place where we can hold the level of capacity that is that goal, that will sustain that goal. Okay? So the the keyword being yet the fact that you have that desire, the fact that I have that desire means that it's magnetizing. It is absolute, that desire is absolutely magnetizing that 
that expression. It can't not do that. That too is math. But chickens, we got to be patient. We got to be patient. The spirit is quantum. Energy is quantum. The mind is, it's more on the speed level of the spirit than it is on the mind, or excuse me, than it is on the body. The body is not quantum. It's not meant to be. The body is dense and she's meant to move at a massively slower pace than the emotions, the, the, the auric energy, the the all of that high, high, high frequency parts of you, um, the less dense parts of you, they move fast. They move. That's why you can feel things that haven't happened yet. That's why when you do the meditation or you do the healing work or you do, you are in that that quantum bliss state, it feels as if everything is already actualized because it has on the quantum and the pure potentiality of it. But that body, she's got to, you, you got to maintain that trust um, because the body's not there yet. It takes time for that density to be transmuted into that kind of quote unquote future experience that you know you're magnetizing to. Okay, that was a long, uh, just one sentence. But that it kind of folds in to the quote unquote rejection and rebellious nature of retrograde times is these are times where you're supposed to, you're supposed to kind of take stock passively or actively. Most of the time you don't need to actively take stock of shit life. It's just the time that life is going to bring it to you. Um, where it just kind of floats in front of you and it comes in front of you and then you can engage with it from this place of consciousness and awareness of, oh, this is retrograde. Yes, this is very echoey. Oh, this X, whether it's an X in an interpersonal relationship or if it's an X theme of your life. Um, oh, this again. Got it. Oh, it's retrograde. You know, so-and-so's in retrograde. Yes, this matches up with that theme of that archetype of a planet. Yeah, this makes sense. Okay, I'm, I'm awake. I'm, my eyes are open. I am present. I am present. So I am consciously engaging with this repeated pattern during this retrograde time um, as myself as I am now. When it's the last time that it came around, I was that person. And it's not that I'm better or worse now than I was, but I'm just different. I have a different set of tools. And so how, you know, playful curiosity, here we go. How would me now, How I wonder how I would engage with this situation. Huh. And then you go back through your tools and I'm like, oh, Every other breath, I'm mantraing, mantraing, <laughs> unconditional self love, unconditional self acceptance. Okay, so what what would happen if I applied that here to this situation? And then, bam, it's transmuted. Um, and, and sometimes you don't have you, you know, there's not there's greater density, there's less of a of a high vibe, um, or there's a lower vibration response of oh, this again fuck, I'm going to freak out. I don't know how not to freak out yet. 
yeah, I have a lot of tools, but I'm, I'm, st- I'm still finding myself freaking out. You can still witness that. You can, there is no failure. There is no failure um, in anything, but especially in retrogrades, when you are aware that you're kind of still repeating the pattern, but you're not sure how to get into a different situation, that's okay. That's totally fine. It's like, oh yeah. So maybe it's like you, you have this, you present or center gently, compassionately, this desire of like, this game's not fun anymore. I'm not having fun anymore. I want to have fun. And I think a X, Y, Z response would allow me to have more fun. I don't know how to do that yet, but I'm really curious and open to it. And bam, I promise you the next time that cycle repeats itself or comes back around, um, you're going to have just, you might have a teeny tiny bit more of light in that response, or you might have gallons and gallons of more (laughs) light in the response that you give to the experience, that repeated experience. Um, so let me read. To kind of end this first part of this first point, I want to read from the book Evolutionary Astrology Revised by Jeffrey Wolf Green, edited by Diva Green. Um, okay. There are key archetypes. Oh, and I quote. There are key archetypes that retrograde motion correlates to that are specific to retrograde archetypes. The first thing to understand is that the retrograde planet accelerates the evolutionary momentum of the soul. The reason is that the retrograde is meant to retreat, reject, or rebel against the status quo expectations of how that planet, its archetypal behavior, is expected to manifest, and thus it accelerates the process of individuation. The retrograde function must, as an archetype, define for itself that behavior, how that psychology and how the circumstances which reflect that will be defined, end quote. It's got to make up its own mind. It's got it. Like we go through the the direct plant, the direct direction of planets is like, oh, this is, this is the stat. It's, it's bringing to us the status quo of particular types of evolution, the status quo, the status quo, the status quo that we have agreed to. That's called consensus. We have agreed that, oh yeah, this is the way I do things. This is the normal thing. Um, Retrogrades are that very necessary season um, that for planets like Pluto is half the year. And for planets like Venus is once every 542 days, Um, that's going to upend that, that's going to make us go back and like retreat into ourselves, internalize and, and go through the receipts of like, oh, fuck that. You know, what if, what if that's a bunch of bullshit, then what? And it keeps us open and it keeps us curious and it keeps us asking questions and it keeps us fresh, uh, fresh. Okay. Going back in, um, Okay, quote, in addition, the retrograde archetype is non-static. It rarely reaches a point in time where it goes, ah, that's it, no more, I'm done. 
It emphasizes the need to continuously grow and to continuously challenge existing limitations that promote the sense of stagnation or non-growth. Thus, this creates a cyclic or perpetual need to redefine, retrograde, internal or external circumstances as necessary. End quote. We are consistently, consistently kind of looking around our space and being like, you know what? This could use a fresh coat of paint. I wonder which color. And then we wonder, we find the color, and then we paint our environment that color. And we live in it for a little bit until, again, it's like, hmm, this could use another fresh coat of paint. (laughs) I want something different. You're designing your new video game, right? You're the avatar. You're designing your new video game. Okay, going back in. Quote, again, it it accelerates or emphasizes the individuation process. As a result, the function that is retrograde will place a premium on individuality. But in doing so, it is also going to induce the sense of being different. Different as measured against the status quo. For example, if we have Venus retrograde, very helpful, this is going to demonstrate archetype archetypically, an individual who needs to uniquely define its own personal and social values, which will then allow it to relate to itself, Venus, in a way that is reflective of its own individuality, end quote. Um, Let me just bring that down a little bit. Say, for instance, a natal uh, Venus retrograde, like you have Venus retrograde in your chart. Your the way that you do relationship, you're required, you have a, a, a quote unquote, a rebellious streak or a highly individualized way of expressing how you relate and, and how you magnetize that which you want to relate to. Um, so yes, retrogrades are all about individuation. I can do it myself or I can do it my, not myself, not myself. I can do, I need to do this my way. It's very teenager energy. And he actually talks about this in this chapter. Okay. So if for the past 38 minutes we've been talking about point one, i.e. the mechanism for individuation, the, re- the retrograde movement as the mechanism for individuation by accelerating the evolutionary momentum of the soul, this second section is retrograde movement as a mechanism of karmic resolution. Okay. Um, the archetype, the archetypal intent of the retrograde planet or point also applies to not just to retreat, reject, and rebel, but to relearn, redo, repeat, and rethink. Um, the retrograde planet and movement can help us re-experience and relive, quite literally, dynamics and circumstances, people and events that are symbolic and reflective, there's another reword of other lifetimes and the lessons within those lifetimes that were not learned. So quite literally, um, and this can, this applies much more to like the natal or progressed uh, uh, retrograde point of the planet in your chart. And so 
myself, I have five, I believe, five planets and three points that are all retrograde in my chart. Um, I have Mars, Saturn, Pluto, Jupiter, and Uranus all retrograde. And then I have um, the points. I have both of my nodes are retrograde. And uh, Black Moon Lilith is, is also retrograde. So one, two, three, four, five. Oh, and the, the asteroids, I should say. Um, the asteroids are Pallas and Ceres. Those are retrogrades. So I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten retrograde, all in total. Those are planets, asteroids, and points. Okay. Um, this is this is an indicate this can indicate um a strong a natal chart that is very strong in Bitch, we didn't learn this last time. Here we go. You gonna you gonna do it this time? <laughs> How's she gonna do? <laughs> and for a lot of us, uh, you know, this trip around the sun, um, there's a lot of us who are like, damn, I feel like this lifetime is just all about me wrapping up loose ends or me healing old shit or me um, not repeating, like getting exposed to the same pattern, but making different choices, whether it's from our past lives, whether it is from our ancestry, which is very entangled in the whole past life situation too. By the way, it's all about, you know, bringing, bringing forth the lessons. Now, it's even if it's much stronger in a chart that has natal, um, natal retrogrades and a lot of them, this can, even if you have a chart and it's not uncommon to have a chart with zero retrogrades, not at all. Um, if you have a chart with like zero retrograde action, even the nodal points, um, you get to experience this reliving, you know, repeating, rethinking, relearning, redoing action with the transits themselves. Okay. So if you, the difference, some difference being, um, if you are some, I'm somebody who has, oh God, man, COVID just wipes, has, wipes out my ability to count, retain and counting, which as an astrologer ain't good. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 11. Yeah, it's not 10. One, two, Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, it is ten. <laughs> As you listen to me losing what's left of my mind, um, ten points. Like I'm somebody who has ten points in their in their chart uh, that are retrograde. I'm going to be experiencing transits. These transits of retrogrades very differently or somewhat differently than you who have zero retrograde in your chart would. Um, and I've talked about, I talk about this mostly in one-on-one sessions. Um, but this is a perfect place to talk about it here. If you are somebody who has mercury retrograde in their chart, when mercury retrograde comes around, you actually experience, you can, you can, depending on just like where you are in your life, et cetera, 
you have the ability and the accessibility to experience a state of greater alignment and ease during that retrograde period, A, than you usually do in your life when Mercury is, you know, direct, and B, than all the other people around you who are not born with uh, Mercury retrograde in their chart. It's just, it's this kind of like, oh, I get this energy. Yeah, this is natal energy. This is home energy. This is, I, this is my vibe. You know, I am at home in this. I know what this is. I know what this feels like, that kind of thing. Um, so it's, it's Saturn retrograde now. It's Pluto retrograde now. Um, I have both of those. It's going to be in a couple of weeks. It's going to be, be Jupiter retrograde. I have that too. Um, you know what? Fuck. The only thing is Mars retrograde last year. I'm still shaking from it, uh, twitching from it. I have Mars retrograde and damn, that was a very, very, very powerful time. And it was a difficultly powerful time. So that's, that's the one where I, I guess maybe check back with me in 20 years, check back with me at my, after my second Saturn return. And maybe I will, um, I will be more at home in Mars retrograde, but damn, (laughs) that's like the only one that I'm like, "Eh, I could, no, no, thanks. No, not again. (laughs) But everything else is, it may not be super duper pleasant, but it's familiar. Um, And so those of us with uh, four or greater uh, retrograde planets, uh, and we're saying planets because planets are the embodiment. Um, asteroids are, they, they, they absolutely are too, and points like Black Moon Lilith. They, we experience them less powerfully and densely and intensely than the planets. So I'm going to say, I'm going to leave it at this. Four or more uh, planets planets in retrograde, not counting the nodes, not counting the asteroids and Chiron, et cetera, um, would count as EA would describe it, a retrograde personality type. And so folks with a shit ton of retrograde planets in their, i.e. four or more, in their chart are going to have it, have a, what is described a retrograde personality type can be described as a retrograde personality type. And that is, um, there, this is personality type can be described as, um, highly introverted or retrograde, right? Intro, we could switch out those words, you know, retrograde could be introverted and introverted could be retrograde. Um, they're, they're, usually extremely sensitive and shy and timid and socially unsure in areas that they feel that they are in a different, they're not a part of the consensus, right? Um, Those of us with a lot of retrogrades are in, if you could take the last 45 minutes of information that I've shared and apply it here, we're in a constant state of rebellion, of experiencing difference. I am different from 
this consensus out here. Um, because that is, that is how the energy wants to be expressed. Okay. And it's because of this, if, if we find ourselves in a, an environment that is highly consensus and not in alignment with our own personal individuation, that's when we will, you know, come across and experience extreme sensitivity, shyness, timidity, and, and social insecurity and unsureness. Now, put us in an environment that perhaps we've created for ourselves. Hang on, tea break. Um, or we have magnetized to ourselves that does reflect um, that which we are, that does not reflect that which we're rebelling against. It reflects that which we are aligning to, i.e. the, the, the individuated in, environment or the evolved environment, we could call it. No, no sense, no hypersensitivity, no crippling shyness, no overt, like, um, inhibiting timidity, um, or insecurity, right? We've got this, this retrograde person is like on, is ebullient and, um, happy and open and could be called extroverted. So the folks who have um, a lot of retrograde in their natal chart and can be identified as like the, the retrograde personality type or anybody who is going through a period of retrograde where, you know, four or more planets are retrograde at the same time, i.e., you know, in the very near future. Um, I think now. Yeah, now. Um <laughs> that can, this can be a time of great sensitivity. Okay. Uh, because even if you don't have the quote unquote retrograde personality type natally, you do now when you are in this season of a lot of retrogrades. Okay. And so it's going to make us feel, it's going to make us, um, go inward the energy moves us inward it, we, so that we internalize and we kind of get all get our inner Daria on. Like we, we all get our inner kind of emo goth um, teenager on of like, nobody understands me and I hate the sun. <laughs> I'm only happy when it rains. And like just that kind of rejection of the status quo. Now, the thing with this is hilariously is that we humans like to create consensus wherever we go. So there's this thing that's it, in our nature um, where this whole kind of alienated rejection, um, retrograde personality type, it can become its own consensus. Uh, by, you know, forming group bonds with similar, similarly alienated souls um, and just adopting alienated value systems so that suddenly we've created just another consensus, but one that is based on feeling rejected by society and rebellious. And like, this is Portland, Oregon, right? Like this is, <laughs> we are describing 
such a swath of counterculture that becomes their own culture, right? We all know who that is. This is very Portlandia, right? Um, suddenly there's a, say, say good, goodbye, hello to the new boss. Say goodbye to the old boss. Say hello to the new boss. Um, yet again, it's consensus. And I'm going to spend a minute on this because it we are definitely, and we have been for the last couple of years, whew, we have been in a phase of this as humans and as growing humans. Um, I'll call them the, the homesick alien club. And they are the lonely alien. And it's, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody in particular because there's, there's a really cool um, creator out there in Insta um, who was literally used to be called the Homesick Alien Club. And I'm not, I'm not talking about him specifically. Um, I'm talking about the vibe of like getting off. And this is very Aquarian. And this is very people who have strong Uranus in their chart or strong 11th house placements. Um, it's very easy to like create a, a comforting and protective identity consensus around your own alienation and create another cage, create another globe, you know, that you can live inside. And when in fact, like the rebelliousness, the, the feeling other than it is meant to continue our evolution. It's meant to allow, give us the strength and the verve and the power to break out of cages and to break out of these spheres and of influence and individuate. We then kind of, we kind of start off that way, but then kind of stagnate a little bit. And suddenly we're looking around and everybody else is feeling angsty in the same exact way that we are <laughs> or everybody like this, ri- this ridiculous time that we're in, like right this very minute where the people who used to um, scream aliens are real from the rooftops. Once the government starts saying they're real, they're like, no, they're not. That's not what you're talking about. <laughs> it's just this. I, and I'm kind of vibing with that. It's like, Oh wait, when it's like when, um, African-American English, uh, words become, they become, um, null and void and, and not cool at all. Once the, you know, giant consensus white suburban group and companies start using these terms and, um, and then it, they become devoid of their initial, kind of uh, rebellious and counterculture nature. So the language then, or the culture then, uh, the counterculture then develops new language, new evolved language. And there's just kind of this, the consensus is just constantly trying to catch up and catch up on the new thing and the catch up on the new thing. But the evolved consciousness, the interdependent and, and individuated consciousness is always steps and steps and steps ahead. But where we are right now, I'm just kind of, we're, we can all bear witness to the counterculture that has now become the culture, right? Um, so yes, that is uh, retrograde personality types and pitfalls. Um, a great thing about 
a, or personally, my own opinion, um, something that feels incredibly liberating to me is when as, and now I can view it, especially as somebody who has lots of retrograde in their chart, there is a, the evolved retrograde attitude is take it or leave it. It's like, yeah, take it or leave it. This is me. Take it or leave it uh, to the consensus. And I never feel more liberated and more badass and more strong than when I, especially so many of my retrograde planets are malefics and they are in the sign of Libra. Um, I can look around me at like the, the relationships and the people around me. And I have this like, it's not a, it's not an angsty freedom. It's a sweetness of like, yeah, take it or leave it. This is me. It's, it's coming from a place of self-love. It's coming from a place of self-acceptance. It's not coming from a place of defensiveness. It's like, this, this is who I am. This is my body. And, and we, as, especially as, you know, if you're a person born into anybody, but in the past 50 to 1,000 years, if you're a person born into a female body, and there's just this, this hyper hyper, 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 um, uh, consensus, uh, floodlight attention on what the physical body should look like. And in the era that I grew up in and that my mom grew up in and that her mom grew up in, um, you know, addicted to diet pills, you're not eating during pregnancy. Um, you're, um, trigger warning, you are are doing things to your body to make yourself smaller and smaller and smaller uh, in any way possible because that's all you see modeled around you as feminine beauty. Um, that is that's the consensus. And so having our our relationships with our bodies, this is my point, meanderingly, our relationships with our bodies are a beautiful place to play and practice with this retrograde energy, especially now, hello, Venus retrograde and Venus retrograde in Leo. I cannot think of a more take it or leave it because I'm fucking gorgeous. (laughs) That's the subtext of Venus and Leo. (laughs) Love me as I am because I deserve it. Um, what the freedom and the liberation in that, and a and yes, you've got a you've got a middle finger that's extended, but it's beautifully manicured and has a lovely ring on it, right? <laughs> it's like I'm gonna flip you off consensus, but I'm gonna look good doing it, and you might just smile <laughs> as I do. Um, okay, so let me just check my notes. Checks notes. Got that. So the retrograde, the archi- uh, we've got the mechanism of karmic resolution and then the retrograde personality types. And then there's this really cool thing here. So this is going to be point four. Uh, point one was the retrograde uh, as mechanism for individuation. Point two is retrograde as the mechanism for karmic resolution. Point three is talking about retrograde personality types. Uh in the natal chart and in collective retrogrades. 
And so point four is all about stationary retrograde or stationary direct times as mechanisms of concentration. Okay. So what I mean by stationary retrograde or stationary direct is um, it's when a planet uh, goes retrograde. Oh my gosh. I meant to say this. I meant to describe what retrograde really is um, at the beginning of the episode. So hello, COVID brain. Welcome. Um, Let's talk about, let's take a really, really quick and ungraceful uh, about face. And let's talk about what retrograde is and isn't because I have something to correct. I have something to correct. I have been describing, and I've been an astrologer for many moons and studying astrology for many more moons than that. And I have been describing retrogrades ineffectually, ineffectually to incorrectly, not, not astrologically, but astronomically. Okay. Um, I got it astrologically, but I've been describing them incorrectly slash ineffectively, uh, astronomically. So a retrograde up until this point, a retrograde is when you have two planets, let's say it's, it's us and Venus now. Um, so Venus is orbiting the sun and then just outside of that earth is orbiting the sun. And most of the time, if you picture two concentric circles and planets moving around those concentric circles, and then that center point is the sun, most of the time, one of those planets is going to be in front of the other, or one of those planets is going to be behind the other. And this affects the, the perspective uh, from our earthbound plane of what we see in the sky, Okay. So retrograde happens when the earth, quote unquote, catches up to the planet that's, quote unquote, ahead of them. Um, And it's the same thing as if you're on the freeway and there's a car in front of you and then you're in your car, you're both going, uh, maybe that car is going 65 miles an hour and you're going 67 miles an hour. You're both moving forward, but you're going slightly faster and you begin to overtake this car. And at one point, it's as if you guys are both, you you guys are neck and neck, both cars are neck and neck, and it doesn't look like you're moving. It's as if you're not, if you didn't have the perspective of like the, the trees and the the pavement, you know, speeding past you, it would be as if you're both directly side by side and still. This is called stationary, um, stationary forward or stationary, you know, stationary retrograde or stationary direct. Um, Now, when you continue to overtake this vehicle, it can look like the optical illusion. If you look over at the car, it looks like they're moving backwards, even though they are still moving forwards it looks to you from your perspective in your car as if it's moving backwards. 
And so that is the, that describes the optical illusion of retrograde planets. Okay. I hope that, I hope that helps. Okay. Going back to stationary, this is point four. Stationary retrograde or stationary direct is a concentrated version of the retrograde movement, i.e. retrogrades set in motion gestational processes, uh, gestational emanations from the soul. uh, And then once the the retrogrades are that that time of gestation. Um, So if you want to think about it, stationary aspect and stationary aspects happen before they, they bookend retrogrades. So we talk about mercury retrograde the most because it, um, it happens the most often we could say Pluto is in retrograde most of the time of of any planet most of the time, but it only happens like once a year. Um, mercury happens about three times a year. Uh, for less time, but more often. So we talk about Mercury stationary and Mercury retrograde, and then Mercury stationary again, and then Mercury Mercury direct. So the stationary period is, I should say the stationary direct period is a concentration of that entire gestation of retrograde. Okay. So let me quote again from the book, Evolutionary Astrology, Um, quote, the stationary retrograde or stationary direct is a very interesting symbol because it right away is going to magnify itself. It concentrates. A student noticed that when Pluto would go retrograde and then go stationary direct, major events would occur. And yet at the point of the stationary direct, it was not aspecting any other natal planets. His question was, what does it mean? What it means from Pluto's point of view, when it goes retrograde, it sets in motion a gestational process, the gestation emanating from the soul in which the soul is beginning to redefine certain aspects of its reality. So by the time it's completed that retrograde and it goes stationary direct, it concentrates itself to induce inner or outer events, which reflect what the gestation was all about. So what the stationary does then is to bring into reality what the retrograde issue was trying to gestate, to rethink, redo, redefine, etc. End quote. So this stationary like thinking about retrogrades as times of gestation, number one, I think is just, it's fantastic. I absolutely love it. Hello, like inward, downward, backward. That is as somebody who's been pregnant twice and, you know, delivered two babies. Um, it, that is totally, it's that's what gestation is. It's not that, all action ceases. There is more action than ever. In fact, there is accelerated action. It's just all inside. And so these stationary points, when it looks as if the planet is not, it stopped moving, quote unquote, backwards, and it's about to go direct, but it's still, it's like this event horizon or like this, this single point that 
has concentrated all of the the lessons and the energy and the work and the play and the experimentation that was done in the rethinking, redoing, reliving, re, 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 during that gestational retrograde time and all of that power, what can happen? And if you pay attention, it's kind of cool. It is happening. During those stationary times, all of that power, it can't help but magnetize um, external events and teeny tiny or big, big um, external events that enable us to like put this, this new, um, this new version, you know, 2 point million point oh, 2.0 into action. It can't help but like trigger this thing of being, you know, putting it into action. Now you might be, you know, smart, smarty pants and asking, but Sampriti, we're all, we always heard that until specifically like Mercury, Mercury, until things are, until the planet is out of its shadow period, you shouldn't, you know, that's still kind of a shadow period. It's still kind of a review period. Um, and we shouldn't expect quote unquote forward momentum. That's different. That's different. That is, this is what the stationary planet is. Um, and it can be a, an, a completely internal concentration or an internal expression. Um, if it's Pluto, now let me say this. If it's Venus, it can be a, a clarifying, an internal clarifying, a feeling of internal rebirth, of, of existential rebirth from the past X amount of weeks that, you know, Venus has been, you know, retrograde when it goes stationary first week of September, um, there will be a shift in the energy that new relationship may not float in, you know, right away. And you may not feel comfortable pressing, you know, the go button or the play button on that new relationship right away until Venus moves out of her, her shadow period. But you will have, it'll be just kind of like an, there will be a shift in the energy and a massive one. Um, and that shadow period of when the, the, the planet overtakes that initial point of, of retrograde, that degree, uh, once it's out of the that shadow period, you'll feel all of the the reject, review, rebel energy has been played out, has been spent. So now things are in full direct, and you have done all the reviewing, and you just notice the season is different. The season is different, and so. This is the embodiment. You're going to want to press the play button in ways that you just didn't feel like you had the freedom to. The freedom of energy, not the freedom of like limitation and imprisonment and constriction, but of just energy, of of things being not forced. Things would feel forced being try you know trying to move things forward inside the shadow period are just going to feel less graceful and more forced than after that shadow period is over 
I hope that makes sense. And another really cool thing about the stationary uh, station is if you have a stationary direct planet natally, then that's an indication that this is the first life where the first lifetime life cycle where that is taking place after uh, a gestational process. So I think it'd be really cool to dive into the ephemeris and um, if you, all of your direct planets, see if they are stationary direct and coming, just coming out of a gestational retro, uh, retrograde period. That means that this is your first go round with outside of that gestational process. And you are called to, you know, there's a lot of energy in your natal expression of this planet of, of the new thing and trying something on. And maybe there's a lot of playful energy. Maybe there's a lot of, of like kind of cardinal energy of, okay, let's move this ship forward. (laughs) Um, and if you, if you do that research in your chart and you find that, let me know. I would love, love to know, uh, firsthand what that experience for you is like. Okay, and the last point, which I think is the fifth point, is something called oblique retrograde. Meaning, let me let me quote because I'm starting to lose brain cells. Um, okay, quote. Also, when you find planets that are retrograde, which form aspects to planets that are not retrograde, this is called an oblique retrograde. For example, you can have an oblique retrograde moon. Like there's no such, end quote, this is me. There's no such thing as a retrograde moon or sun. Um, No, but quote, you can have an oblique retrograde moon. For example, if you have Uranus retrograde forming a square to your moon, uh, you see, so what would an oblique retrograde moon actually mean? Um, he asks in the book and the audience says stabilizing and internalizing. And he says, well, internalizing is the key in order to establish a state of inner emotional security. The whole intent of the retrograde is to introspect and to internalize in order to individuate. So relative to the moon, the individual has decided to learn how to nurture itself and to create a state of inner security End quote. So through oblique retrogrades, it's also possible to have an entirely retrograde, like obliquely retrograde chart. Just if you have the right uh, angles and aspects. Um, I, when I was preparing, um, I dove into my chart, my COVID brain dove into my chart and I was super excited because I was like, oh, I have one that's actually uh, aspecting my moon. My natal Neptune is retrograde, um, two degrees outside of a direct square to my moon. Let me use this as an example. And then I went, I checked my notes and I went back and my Neptune is not retrograde. But if it was, here's an example. If it hypothetically, if my natal Neptune was retrograde in Sagittarius, squared my Pisces moon, there there is a, the force of that retrograde Neptune that it delivers upon the moon is an internalizing in order to individuate because that moon 
the job of the moon is to internalize and the job of the retrograde or oblique retrograde relationship is to individuate. And because it's Neptune, this is happening from the aspect, like the example that, that Jeffrey gave in the book is Uranus. And he wrote that, um, it, because it's Uranus, it infers that the person is learning to break free to liberate, you know, Uranus from all external dependencies. It infers that there is a discrepancy between the parents' realities and the child's realities because, you know, rebellion and individuation and liberation and all that. Um, but for Neptune, it would be that, you know, that's Uranus. Neptune is via the truth of spirit, like, like capital T truth. Uh, of capital S spirit. And the force of that, um, that spiritual enlightenment and that transcendence, um, and that certain, because it's in Sagittarius, that searching, that seeker element, if that was retrograde, it would have, because it's not, it, it, it's just because it's not retrograde doesn't mean that it has, does not have an impact on my moon. No, it's still squaring my moon, but it's, it is, less, um, but because it, it is, um, not retrograde, it's not obliquely retrograding my moon, which means my moon is free of that extra layer of like rebellion and rejection of external norms. Um, and instead I meant to just internalize that relationship with spirit, internalize that relationship with truth, um, in, in a seeker's way with the direct energy, not with the, um, hyper intense internalized retrograde energy, but yeah, check out your, check out your, um, chart and see if, if you have, that's another thing that you can do. Um, if you have retrograde points or retrograde planets more powerfully, um, see if they have any aspects to, you can start off like with your sun and your moon. So let me get that internalization is that example was with the moon. Let me give you his example. Let me read from his example that he gives around the sun. Um, a person quote, a person could have a whole chart that is retrograde by aspect or obliquely retrograde. The same applies to the sun. If anyone has an oblique retrograde to the sun, it means that the person cyclically or perpetually throughout life will define its whole sense of purpose and how to creatively and how it creatively actualizes that purpose. And within this, how it is interpreting and giving meaning to its experience relative to that, end quote. So you see how the moon, his example with the moon is one that is um, the individual learning how to nurture themselves and finding that greater sense of inner security. That's the moon. Um, that's internal uh, emotional evolution, internal self-authority. The sun is that, um, that sense of purpose, that sense of destiny and creative actualization of that purpose and, and destiny. And then that last sentence and within this, how it is interpreting and giving meaning to its experience re relative to that, that whole sentence is about, um, uh, excuse me, he gives later on that this is a Sagittarius sun. That's a very, 
that's the the Sagittarian archetype is to give meaning to and interpreting and um, finding out what what the greater meaning is attached to that. And so that's that's kind of an example of an of retrograde aspecting the sun. And that is it, my my loves. It's been an hour and 20 minutes and my voice is still going. So, but that is, I got through all of the notes about that I took and that I studied and that I really wanted to present as my interpretation um, of what retrogrades are all about. And next week, we will be getting to specifics. So specific planets, how they express, how they can express in their retrograde. And I'm going to be giving, this might be cut into two, that that episode might be cut into two episodes. It might be one. Um, There is a lot of material. So I would like, and I'm also wanting to give um, not only some personal examples from my own chart, but I'd like to dive into some famous examples of like, you know, people who are famous and well-known and maybe, maybe celebrities, maybe not, um, maybe more infamous people of how these particular retrograde planets can express themselves in human life. And I hope that this has been at the very least interesting for you. Um, cause there's a lot of information going on out there about retrogrades and all of it kind of sounds the same. So I know that when, cause I, I studied this, I studied this from this exact book like 10 years ago and I did not internalize the, the themes of the retrograde and specifically like the vibes of the theme of retrograde, um, in a way that 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 resembled at all how I felt re, re-entering into the subject um, over the past couple of weeks. And it's just been, it's been very liberating. It's been really exciting. And it's been, it's not just one of those like, well, retrograde is normal and natural and it's anti-capitalist and it's helping to, retrogrades help us break down our, addiction to productivity or false productivity and da, 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 da. that's yes, all of it, all of it to that. And I was ready for some more. I was ready for, there's that seeker in me. Um, I was ready for more information and I was ready for a bigger story and a meatier story. And I feel like this level of study, um, it gave me that and it made me really, really excited about how to engage with this particular retrograde season. Um, so it's a big old fuck it, guys. It really is. It's a big old fuck it. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do this my way. So there's your permission your permission slip, chickens. Um, you Not only do you get to do it your way, in retrograde, you have to do it your way. (laughs) Are you struggling through retrograde? It's because you're not doing it your way. I don't even know if that was the tagline for um, McDonald's. (laughs) I think it's actually BK. (laughs) I think it's Burger King. Anyway, I am officially loopy. 
Um, I can't wait to see you on the Patreon. I can't wait to see your read your reviews. Um, I can't wait to have some of you as guests on future episodes. Uh, and as always, thank you for being here. So that's it for this episode of Astrology and Stuff. You can come back each Wednesday or so for new episodes. And you also have a way to get weekly bonus episodes on my Patreon page. Just search Astrology and Stuff Podcast. As I stated before, bonus episodes are weekly peeks into the planetary transits where we can get into the astrology of the week and how that may be affecting you in your neck of the woods. Each episode of Astrology and Stuff is written, recorded, edited, and mixed by me, Simpriti Ireland. The music you hear is an original work by Angel Wing. And again, thank you for being here.